All right, friends, today's episode is with Brad Swale. And this is unlike any other episode that I've done. Um, to put it plainly, it was gut-wrenching. Uh, both of us cried. Um, it is a very, very touching story that Brad is bringing to the table here. And uh, an important one, an important one that needs to be shared with the world. And uh, it's it's definitely <laughs> different than any other podcast that I've done before. Um, I absolutely love Brad and his family for, for what they're doing. I'm not going to give away too much of the show. Just check it out. Please let me know what you think. Um, he has a nonprofit that he's working with. We'll link to that in the show notes for you. Anything that we mention here, we'll link to in the show notes, Facebook group, things of that nature. Let me know what you think about this one. And if you know scientists personally, and you know people who could be of service and help uh, in a very unique situation like this, please don't hesitate to reach out. Don't hesitate to connect us and um, give it give it a good listen. Let me know what you think. There's a number of ways you can support this podcast. Click subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Leave us one or two ways. The show has helped you in a five-star review that allows us to branch out into new markets and get more people listening to the show. And as always, support our sponsors. One of those sponsors is a company that has rebranded from Wabe to OneFarm. And OneFarm is exactly what they state. They are one USDA certified organic hemp farm in Colorado that's making the best CBD products on the planet. They use 100% CO2 extraction that leaves you with the full spectrum of cannabinoids and terpenes that you'll find in the very best organic CBD products. They add nothing else. Uh, there is some organic natural flavoring and MCT oil if you use the tinctures, but they've got all sorts of new products that they're creating. And now for my fans, and friends and listeners, you can go to onefarm.com slash Kyle, and they've increased their discount to 15% off everything in the store. Also, today's podcast is sponsored by Indochino. They're the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. You get to personalize all the details, including your lapel, lining, and your own monogram. They have hundreds of suit options for all occasions, including work, formal events, and even your own wedding. The best part is they're affordable. Almost all of their custom clothing is under $400. The process is very simple. You pick your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door within two weeks, and you can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all online yourself at Indochino.com. So I went into a showroom here in Austin. They have one of the domain and I was blown away by the expertise. They did my measurements. They talked about what styles that I liked. And they were able to navigate exactly what I wanted, which was pretty cool. Because even though I dress up for weddings and things like that, and I like to look snazzy, I, uh, I'm of the mindset that look good, feel good, perform good. It's not something that walking in there, I had an idea of what I was going to get. But at the end of my experience, was very pleased with the shirt that I got. And I'll be heading back in for one of their very stylish suits. So check them out. You can get $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when entering Kyle at checkout. Plus shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code Kyle, for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more. It's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Today's show is also sponsored by Caldera The Lab. The Lab is a product that Caldera has created, which is a multifunctional men's face serum. Now, I'm 37 years old, taking uh, taking quite a beating over the years in fights and in football, and this is a product that I absolutely love. Uh, to be quite honest, when I was introduced to this product, it wasn't something that I was like, yeah, I need a, a good facial serum. It's not something that I've used in the past, but using it now, I completely understand the benefits. My skin feels younger. I feel energized when I put it on. It smells fucking incredible, and I think that's part of the reason I feel energized when I put it on. I rub it all over my big bald head when I do the, the, the big head and shave it all the way down. And even now that I have this massive beard, I just rub it through my beard. It feels great. It adds the look that I want. And it's something that's become a daily ritual in my morning routine. You can receive 20% off your first Caldera Lab purchase of the good by going to calderalab.com slash Kyle. That's calderalab.com slash Kyle for 20% off your first order of the good. 
And as always, we're brought to you by Onnit. And today I want to talk to you about our mineral electrolyte drink that I helped create. It uses sodium bicarbonate and a number of other electrolytes. It tastes fantastic. So sodium bicarbonate, why is that a big deal? Well, if you've read books like The Oxygen Advantage or any book on running, you've heard of taking baking soda or sodium bicarbonate pre-race. But it's all dose-specific. So if you take a tablespoon and have a Whopper, you might shit yourself. Good news is you're not going to poop your pants using on its mineral electrolytes, and it does taste great, but you still get the benefits of sodium bicarbonate. So using that pre-race, pre-workout, pre-any kind of competition is going to really enhance your game, help buffer lactate and metabolic waste products, and it tastes great. So check it out, onnit.com slash Kyle, and you'll get 10% off mineral electrolytes in addition to any other supplement as well as any food products. Thank you guys for tuning in to today's show with my dude, Brad Swale. Again, please check out the show notes, donate if you can, and let us know what you think. Thanks for tuning in. All right. We got Brad Swale in the house. Thanks Did for having me. Did you see the last name? Yeah, you said it right. All Swale. Right, perfect. Yeah. There we go. Easy enough. Um, there's quite a bit we want to cover here today. I got to meet you through a mutual friend. Yep. And uh, we had a little little breakfast to get to know one another. You were barefoot. Yeah. Well, that's a hippie restaurant. <laughs> if, if you ever come to if you ever come to Austin for Paleo FX or any of these cool events that they have here, South by yeah. ACL, make your way to Pacha. No affiliation with these guys, but they do uh, hands down the best organic breakfast brunch place I've ever been to. Yeah, I mean, I, growing up here, I don't I don't know how long it's been around. I've never never even heard of it. But the first time meeting you. I mean, I knew you were a uh, sort of into a different lifestyle than what you typically meet or whatever. And when you were barefoot, I was like, "This guy's got he's got it going on. He knows what's, he knows what's up." <laughs> yeah, the hippie the hippie restaurants don't mind if I come in barefoot, or yeah. at least they don't they don't act like they notice. It might just be like a size thing where they see me and they're like, "Eh, we usually don't let people in barefoot, but he gets a pass." I'm not sure. I have to be mindful of that. Sure, I always forget what kind of meat wagon I have on, but um. Let's talk. You you come from Austin, born and raised, correct? Born and raised. I'm I'm told. I mean, everyone's people are sometimes amazed by that, and I don't know why. But I guess it's with all of California and Houston and everyone else coming here. Yeah, I, I'm a rare breed, I guess. You are a rare say. breed. Yeah. Um, talk a bit about what life was like growing up with your family and uh, the family, the family company, and and all that was involved with that. Yeah. So my dad started People's Pharmacy. Um, I guess since this is online, I'm supposed to say People's RX because um, there's a People's Pharmacy newsletter that's based in Florida, I think. And so we're People's RX, Austin's okay. favorite pharmacy. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's it's a holistic pharmacy that you, know, you can still get your, your regular prescriptions there and over-the-counter stuff, Claritin, Oxycontins, whatever. Um, good and, and bad, good depending and bad, on how you absolutely. look at it or but how it's we, used. Yeah, and so we also have... Uh, my dad had this vision of changing people's health. Um, he realized early on that there was something going on with pharmaceuticals that, you know, they're not they're not the answer necessarily. You know, they'll they'll help your symptoms, they'll help you in a pinch or stuff like that. But to really get healthy, you got to change your diet, change your lifestyle. Um, and so he started this business and brought on a lot of nutraceuticals professional lines of, you know, supplements and everything like that, uh, organic delis, organic when available, you know, to, to let food be that medicine it's painted on the wall at the back of one of the delis. Um, so, I mean, I grew up in that store. It was like a second home to me, like my third place, home, school, people's pharmacy. And I mean, it was, I didn't know what I had growing up. You know, it was a, it was a, it's like, you know, your kid, he doesn't understand what he has, like how good he has it yet. But I'm sure once he hits college and stuff like that, he's going to like really realize like, shit, this is like, I really had it good. I had to, you know, I got to have conversations with alternative practitioners of all sorts. And I mean, I didn't, to me, it was just normal. Um, I would asked my dad to take me to the to the mall to maybe buy a video game or something like that. Well, let me let's stop by the pharmacy real quick. Take 5 minutes. All right. Yeah. Yeah, right. And hours later, I'm still sitting in the pharmacy. So all I have to to, to entertain myself, I'm looking at bottles of supplements, leaflets, talking to practitioners, talking to pharmacists, 
screwing around in the lab sometimes. Back then, it was a little bit more Wild West. <laughs> Hopefully, you weren't tinkering with the uh, medications. I can I see was. my son doing some shit like that. I was. I mean, the the the, the hard <laughs> stuff was up top. You know, I yeah. couldn't reach that. But it was. I would. I would get to mess with the the tools and because it's a compounding pharmacy, so they also got to. You know, they, they make stuff there too. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's a. Uh, it was a unique experience for sure, and uh, I. I don't really like to use. I don't like. I think the word the term privileged gets thrown around a lot nowadays, uh, with not a lot of care of like what it what what it really means. But in this aspect, I really was privileged to, you know, have access to that sort of information and those sort of conversations with people my entire life. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I'm happy you brought that up too because that's something that uh, and I'm and I'm I'll try to use language that doesn't point fingers or anything like that because I've I've been called out on it before and and of course when you're pointing fingers that creates more division and I'm, that's certainly not. Uh, my intention when I talk about things like that. But the idea that privilege is a bad thing is complete nonsense. Like to count your blessings is one of the easiest ways to embody gratitude. But just looking at the ways that we are blessed, the ways that we have been privileged, and to know that that's not only is it okay, but it is awesome to recognize that. You know, it is awesome to say, yeah, man, I had a lot of good things uh, fortuitous events that led me to where I am at today. Yeah. You know, and there's nothing, nothing wrong with that at all. I think it's a, it's a, it's a very weird societal position to put yourself in to blame others for having good fortune. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. And there's also, you know, there's another side of the coin, you know, growing up with a, a entrepreneurial father who's, you know, trying to grow this, what turned into sort of an Austin mainstay, you know, he, I mean, I, I love my father. I'm not, it's not, not a complaint, but obviously there, there's a, you know, maybe there was times when I wouldn't actually get to, you know, get that FaceTime with my dad that I really wanted to, but you know, so it, there's a, there's a yeah, balance. There's two you know sides I mean? to every coin. Yeah. No doubt about it. I mean, Absolutely. even if you look at somebody who's as successful as Gary V and he's talking about, uh, and this is going off topic, I promise I'll circle back, <laughs> but, um, he was on Mark Bell's podcast and he was talking about every parent is trying to win the game in the first three innings. You're a parent for your entire life. Yeah. And he's trying to leave a legacy behind for his kids. And he yeah. is, there's no doubt about it. My pushback against that argument is that perhaps the first three innings are more important than we think it is. It's not a baseball game, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, if a baseball game has seven innings plus whatever, or not seven, <laughs> nine innings plus whatever, and you get the seventh inning stretch and all that jazz, um, you have it, you would look at each inning as equal for the most part until you're coming down the home stretch. Yeah. But with children in particular, early on is pretty significant, you know? So I wouldn't say that it's okay to, to put your kids on the back burner for your job or whatever legacy you think is more important than your kids. If you've chosen to have kids, it's important to be involved in their lives. And it sounds like looking from the outside in that you did have some of that balance, at least back and forth. Oh yeah. I mean, my mom was ideally parenting is a, is a two person game Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, whatever, however it works. Um, And so my mom was, uh, didn't work for the most part. I mean, she helped with the pharmacies in the very beginning and, you know, then she took time off to you know help with kids and more. I mean, I have I'm the youngest of four, so that's a busy job in and of itself. Um, so I agree with you. You know, the, the first three innings, if we're sticking with that analogy, um, I would say are the, the most important. You know, getting that bonding with your child, letting them, you know, imprinting on them, yeah, uh, is super important. There's a great book uh, that I'll leave people with before we switch gears here. It's called Hold On to Your Kids. It's written by Dr. Gabra Mate and another doctor, and it's read, if you listen to it on Audible, by Gabra Mate's son, mm-hmm. which is fucking awesome yeah. because he's reading what his dad wrote, and obviously he helped contribute to it, but um, it's really cool to see kind of, you know, Gabra's vulnerability and admitting where he kind of failed as a dad yeah. and how he learned otherwise. Yeah. I'm familiar but, with his work. I, I I think I have his book. I have not read it yet. I mean, I... I yeah, so I want to get into things. all his literature and definitely have him on the show. But, um, you know, one of the reasons that we're here today is to discuss some new technologies and to discuss what's going on at home and some yeah. of the purpose behind the potentials of these new technologies. Yeah, man. Um, so, you know, talking about parenting, 
it was always really important to me that my kids have, you know, a uh, close relationship with, I mean, even before having kids, I've always thought, I thought it would be the opposite before I had kids that I would, I would assume that I would work as, you know, as many jobs as I would have to. And my wife, whoever that may end up being would stay at home with the kids ended up being the opposite. Um, when our first child was born, uh, he, my wife was at home and she ended up just not really, it was just not really for her. She really wanted to go back to work. She's an attorney. And you spend all that time and money on education. She, you know, she really wanted to use it. She, so I said, that's fine, but I'm going to stay home. So I ended up being a stay-at-home dad for a few years. Um, I think the best decision I've ever made, you know, being able to bond with my kid that way. Um, and then we had our second kid, Lachlan. We call him Chow Chow. Chow Chow. Uh, yeah. He's my, <laughs> my older son gave him that name before he was born. And he has a super rare... Uh, is a rare genetic disorder called uh, 8P partial deletion duplication syndrome. Um, I apologize. I get a little bit. Don't say sorry, brother. Um, <clears throat> um, he, so <clears throat> on his eighth chromosome, he has uh, some genes that are deleted and some that are duplicated. And within this uh, 8P diagnosis, there's some kids that have just deletions, some have dupli uh, just duplications, and it's super rare. I think they're, they estimate that there's maybe a thousand people in the world that have it. Uh, in the United States, I mean, maybe a hundred. Um, but there's, so uh, when he was born, Thankfully, I was a stay-at-home dad, so I could spend a lot of time, you know, uh, being with him and helping him and um, sort of figuring out how to manage this crazy diagnosis. Uh, he is... Um, he's happy, you know, which I think is what everyone wants for their kids. I sometimes wonder if he knows sort of what, if he understands at some level that he's different. And I don't, I don't know that he does. And I, I think that's sort of a blessing, you know, that I think if I was in his position, I, I don't know that I would want to know yeah. the, the life that I have uh, going forward. So <clears throat> he, we get this uh, crazy diagnosis where we had no idea going in, you know, before he was born that this was happening there was some indication that maybe something was wrong, but the, the doctor put it at like maybe a couple percentage points increase in likelihood that he would have spina bifida was sort of the guess. And we're like, well, that's fine. Whatever. No big deal. Um, we went and did some level two ultrasounds uh, just to make sure that everything was okay. That doctor was, you know, supposedly one of the best ultrasound doctors in San Antonio. We were there at the time. And... Um, the, I mean, I, I'm blown away at the things that he missed. Uh, one of the common, I guess, associated diagnoses with this is agenesis of the corpus callosum. Corpus callosum is the center part of your brain that communicates the left and right hemisphere, sort of the superhighway. Uh, so his just never formed. And typically that would show up in even just like a regular ultrasound. Uh, but somehow they missed that. And then there's, like they said, that his legs were measuring short compared to the rest of his body, but they're like, ah, it's no big deal. He'll grow out of it or whatever. And so we're just, you know, happy-go-lucky, thinking, great, we're having another kid. And then he's born, and immediately something is off, you know? And he spends a couple, week in the, couple weeks in the NICU. The biggest issue there was getting him to eat. He has um, a high risk of aspiration, so he can't eat on his... He, he still does. He, he needs a lot of help eating. Um, and so, I mean, I remember to get him out of the NICU, they had this, we had to do a feeding study where he had to eat so much, drink so much from a bottle within a 24-hour period. And so I was just, they gave me my own room at the NICU. And I mean, I was doing everything I could. Every trick that the, that the nurses, <laughs> that the nurses taught me <clears throat> to... 
get him to feed. And luckily we got that uh, and got him home. And it's been, he's gotten better for sure at that. But, you know, now he's sort of refusing the bottle a little bit more, which is normal. You know, we're glad that he's making that progression. But, uh, you know, now we're trying to get him to eat solids and that's, a whole another challenge when you're at risk of aspiration of aspirating anything. Um, you know, he actually has aspiration pneumonia right now because he was just, you know, things were going down the wrong pipe enough that he, now he has a little infection and luckily it's mild, but you know, we have to take a couple steps back now before we can take another step forward. I mean, it's a, it's a real interesting experience. Um, I'm glad it's me and not somebody else. Um, because of, you know, the, the, my experience growing up, realizing that there are potential alternatives, uh, to just, you know, the, the, uh, Western medical system, which, I mean, thank God it was there for him, but, you know, looking at and exploring other options, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's, uh, we're looking at CRISPR, technology gene editing it just sort of makes sense to me that if he has deletions and duplications on his genome then well, let's knock those out let's knock out the duplications let's add some stuff in let's do whatever we need to do and um my goal originally was to have something done by h2 but the, the scientists weren't quite ready for that you know yeah um so now it's age five and if i need to adjust my my expectations i will but you know, we're fighting right now for um, to get that by age five, get a study going. If not for him, then somebody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I remember talking to you about that. It's certainly um, the position you're in is a position that no parent wants to find themselves in. Yeah. I mean, that there's absolutely zero doubt about that. And of course, with your background, you know, there's nothing wrong with Western medicine per se, but when we give all of our authority over to it and we just take every word the doctor says as set in stone, this is the only way, that's where we run into trouble. But through your background, you've come to realize that there is alternative and functional medicine doctors and there are there's yeah. a different way to go about things. Now, from a technological standpoint, with CRISPR and, and some other things being made available, there are options that hopefully can remedy, yeah. right? Uh, you know, the conversation we were having was, the conversation that comes up for me around CRISPR is we don't know. We don't know what happens when we change something, if something happens downstream, effects, things of that nature. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there is the, the larger conversation around you know, what is happening in China? Are they trying to create a super race? And definitely if, and if that <laughs> for sure. if that happens, you know, then how long is it before the rest of humanity decides to join in? Yeah. Right. Like if there's pressure because there's a billion people that are exceptionally smart or exceptionally gifted in in athleticism or any of these things that we would consider criteria for being a great human. If that happens, if and when that happens, it's only a matter of time before everyone else joins in. Yeah. It's no longer the argument of what is uh, right or wrong. What is, you know, are we tinkering with, you know, are we playing God? Yeah. I guess is the answer. In your circumstance, all of those arguments go out the window. Yeah. None of that shit matters. It's literally about saving a life. It's about creating what we call, what we come to understand as life for your son. Yeah. Uh and I guess let me say, CRISPR is sort of my idea of what would be an, an ideal therapy for him. Um, and I think there's, you know, there's different kinds of CRISPR technologies that, like, they might use different, um, like, there's Cas9, there's Cas12, different numbers, different sizes of the, the the protein or whatever that carries the RNA and changes everything. I mean, if it's not CRISPR and it's stem cells, like, hey, we're game. No big deal. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in China, there was, you know, a big news story, I don't know, maybe six months ago or something like that, a year ago, where a guy altered the genome of a, of some twins to be more resistant to HIV. 
and I don't think there was any, I don't think these girls were necessarily at high risk of HIV, but I think he was just trying to test out the technology and there was a big ethical uh, issue with that. And I, I agree with that ethical issue because I don't think this guy knew what he was doing necessarily. And, you know, speaking to that downstream effect, and there's, uh, I've read that there's a potential that maybe these girls would have a higher IQ because of this edit. And I, the higher IQ was not the 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 reason for doing it, but I mean, I guess that's sort of a happy side effect. Yeah. Um, and I don't see that as really being a problem. I I don't know that having more high IQ people in the world is going to hurt us. You know, um, having stronger people in the world, I don't know that's going to hurt us. It might change the Olympics or change you know uh, MMA or whatever, uh, and we can address those issues as we go down. But I, I mean, my personal belief is that it, sh it, I would be happy if it was more available. You know, uh, it's like cell phones costs thousands and thousands of dollars when they first came out. And then, you know, the price eventually started going down because people invested in it. People bought those phones and eventually the price will come down and everyone will get it. Um, you know, I'm sure there will be some sort of evil person that makes you know, some evil change and it, it, it has a negative effect, but I think overall it'll have a much, a, a very positive effect for sure. Um, but you're right. In in my situation or in my son's situation, all that does go out the window. I mean, it, if it's, if whatever therapy comes along that might help him, uh, the downstream effects, you know, without knowing exactly what it is, I mean, I'd, I'd be pretty much game for anything. You know, yeah. he's... Um, so just, you know, give you a little bit of background of what he's like. He's it, it, looking at him. He would look like a, a sort of a regular two-year-old. Um, he's, you know, got some some odd features. If you looked at him long enough, you might think, oh, it's a little bit weird, but it would nothing that would cue you to think he has a, a, a genetic disorder. Um but then you might hold him and you think this two-year-old is real weak. He doesn't have like the muscle tone. He's, you know, obviously he's not talking. He's not doing a lot of stuff uh, that other two-year-olds would be doing. And so then you start to realize, so he's has slow, uh, slow reaction times. Uh, like I said, he's weak. He has a uh, um, kind of floppy. Um, he's getting stronger, which is great. We're using technology like NewFit. Have you heard okay. of them? Yeah, yeah, they're great. We yeah. had we had Garrett on the show. Yeah, Garrett's great. Yeah, um, phenomenal technology. Yeah, so we're we're using NewFit on him uh, at home, and you know, notice some some great results. But, um, <clears throat> you know, teaching him so teaching him to walk is going to be a risk. You know, he's going to have if he is walking and he's not, you know, kids fall. He's going to fall harder than any other kid. Um, he's going to be weaker and he's going to have a slower reaction time. So should I teach him to walk or should I not do that because he might fall down those stairs and not be able to protect himself and potentially die? I mean, I want him to have as normal of a life as possible and have as much freedom as possible. So of course I'm going to teach him to walk. Of course I'm going to do those things. And I, I sort of think of that as, you know, with any technology, any sort of um, potential therapy, like side effects be damned, unless it's like there's a 100%, 90% chance he's going to die from this tomorrow. Well, all right, let's step back. But maybe he gets cancer down the line. I'm at risk of that, you know? Um, cancer cancer treatments are getting better. Is it, you know, can we live with those things? It's, it's, it's a difficult decision, but I think I would say yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I think just um, the access and the ability to as a parent, consciously decide what's going to happen to your child. Yeah. I think that's that's where the argument needs to be made. What's going on right now stateside in terms of its availability? You talked a bit about stuff that's going on with the FDA, where they're at with the use of the technology. Can you, can you dive into some of that? Um, yeah. So, I mean, with the technology there... Um, there are some human trials going on for very specific, uh, when we're talking about CRISPR specifically, um, for very specific disorders. Uh, one of the big ones is sickle cell anemia, which, you know, affects uh, African-Americans and I think, you know, just uh, 
uh, black people in general. I don't know that if it, if it's in other races very often, I don't think so, but it's an easier fix because it's one base pair in the genome that's affected. And so it's a, it's just an easy thing to do. Whereas, single edit. Yeah, single edit. Whereas, you know, with my son, there's multiple genes. And some of those genes are really big. Some of them are small. You know, some of them, they don't know what they do. So it's, it's a lot more challenging. But I think recently they, in one of the trials, they actually, I think it remains to be seen because they haven't really seen the side effects yet, but they made the, the, cha- the edit in sickle cell anemia and it was, it worked. And so this person potentially no longer has sickle cell anemia. And I don't know how much you know about that, but that's a really painful disorder. Uh, you know, these people have to go, you know, whenever they have an episode, and I don't mean I don't know very much about it either. I, obviously, I've never lived that, but, you know, they have to go to the hospital and take some very, you know, some strong uh, pain medications, oftentimes get hooked on opioids because of that. Uh, so it, it's a it has a lot of effects downstream. And so this is a, a, a huge, um, a huge step forward, you know? And I think they also do stuff with macular, de- some types of macular de- degeneration that are, are also somewhat simple. So, I mean, the, the scientists are very interested in getting into human trials, um, but obviously they're cautious because like you said, they don't know what the downstream effects are for a lot of these things. If there's, you know, the technology is also not very, it's not 100% accurate, so they may take out this gene, but there's uh, some base pairs on either side that they also might change on accident. And so mm. what are those effects? And, you know, it's, uh, there's some challenges still, but, you know, I've always, I go to some of these conferences for gene editing or CRISPR or, you know, whatever. And I, my whole job, my whole goal is to not only learn about it, and meet these people, but to, you know, just give them a personal story that might encourage them to, you know, get into those human trials a little bit more, get out of mice models, get out of the Petri dish and into humans as quickly as they can. And what does that timeline look like for you now? I know you'd mentioned two in the beginning, and then now you've switched to five years old as a hopeful time that that could be potential. Hopeful, yeah. hopeful is a big word there. Yeah. That's the main um, word. What does that, what does that look like? And I also know that you're working with, uh, you guys that you and your wife had started a nonprofit and then yeah. you've kind of switched gears to team up with this other nonprofit that was already in place. Yeah. Talk a bit about them. Obviously I want to get as much steam rolling behind this as possible, but I also want to, I want to know where they're at and what they've accomplished. Right. So, um, yeah, we, my wife and I started a nonprofit um, called the Deletion Duplication Alliance. But, um, you know, with, with my wife's work, work schedule and, you know, taking care of a special needs kid, another son, we have a daughter coming in less than two weeks. Congratulations, brother. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, super excited. Uh, we, it was just overwhelming. I mean, I, you know, I have my own, I have a job that I also have to do. Uh, I work from home, luckily, but... You know, it was just, it, it, there's so many moving parts of that starting a nonprofit that it just became sort of like, all right, this is, I'm not going to be as successful as I want to be if I'm doing this on my own. So um, I had a relationship with a uh, a mother in New York whose daughter also has the same uh, diagnosis, diagnosis. And she started a, a nonprofit called Project 8P, um, project8p.org. And so um, I called her up and, you know, said, hey, you know, this is what's going on. Like we're, we decided to sort of step back from our own nonprofit. And, you know, so I, I, I'm going to try to take a larger role in this. And I was already on the parent leadership board. And so just moving forward, just going to, you know, help them get, the, get their message out, our message now, get our message out, uh, get people interested. Uh, so, and she's amazing. Her name is Bina Shaw. And I honestly, you know, knowing what I know now about what it takes to start a nonprofit and get it to be successful, I mean, I, I have no idea how she did it. It's crazy. She's, I mean, obviously, I, I'm one of the one of the great things about, you know, just stepping away from my own nonprofit is that I get to work under her. And I mean, just the amount that I'll be able to learn from her and you know, it, it'll be 
on a personal level, just, uh, I think a, a much better move. Um, but they, you know, before you can do anything like, uh, a, a human trial for any disease, you have to understand the, the syndrome or the disease. And so you have to, you know, take patient surveys and find the commonalities between the patients. Um, and, uh, then write up a, 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 a draft paper for, you know, what it's like a, a natural history survey, I think is what it's called, and figure out how it affects the, the the patients and figure out what the commonalities are. And so what's really interesting about this is uh, on the eighth chromosome where, you know, these deletions and duplications happen, there's a lot of genes that are associated with like Alzheimer's, schizophrenia, um, what are some of the other ones? Uh, a lot of different mental health stuff that, that, you know, they're getting like Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's gets a lot of attention and rightfully so it's a horrible disease, but you know, part of the, one of the side effects of figuring out this, uh, our children's syndrome is that we might understand more about Alzheimer's, might understand, mm -hmm. understand more about schizophrenia, and, you know, I, these, this is pretty preliminary stuff. And, you know, we're like, there's Facebook groups that we're a part of. Well, a lot of the parents are, uh, reporting that their kids don't get sick very often. And, you know, you think of special needs kids as oftentimes having like a weaker system. And so they'd just be more sickly. And these kids don't seem to have that, uh, you know, get a runny nose every once in a while, maybe, but like really get sick just doesn't seem to happen very often. And so maybe understanding this more and understanding the genome of these kids might lead to, you know, better immunotherapy or something like that, you know? Um, so there's a lot of potential. We, uh, uh, you know, we're getting, our she, is get, she has gotten a lot of attention from a lot of really big foundations that give money to, uh, for research. Um, I'm not of liberty to say very much about that right now, but you know, in the next couple of months, there will be some pretty big announcements, uh, which is fantastic. Um, but you know what? What we really need to do is just figure out. You know, we need money, obviously, but scientists that are interested. You know, a lot of scientists, their initial response is, "This is too complicated. Like, you're going to have a real hard time with this," but. You know, finding those people, finding a neurologist that wants to study the brain of these kids to, you know, really help move forward the, the, any sort of treatment. Uh, finding a, you know, someone to study the, um, like the nutritional similarities between the kids. Like, is there a commonality between, like, maybe they're, they're deficient. All of them are deficient in, I don't know, vitamin D for whatever reason, even though they all get sun and they're supplementing and whatever their, their body doesn't yeah. process it the same way. Uh, we need those sort of people to be, to sign on and get on board. And we actually, we have a, a doctor right now in Houston that is working on the draft paper um, for the disease, uh, Dr. Oker, I think. I'm supposed to meet him on Saturday, driving to Houston. Um, so... I mean, there's a lot of stuff, really cool stuff going on. That's, I mean, like I said, I, I don't know how she did it, but she, it's, it's fucking amazing. All right, guys, very quick break to tell you about a couple things I've been working on. Number one, my wife has put together an amazing ebook that includes 30 plus recipes of our favorite foods to eat around the holidays to keep you trim and slim, keto recipes for dessert, as well as a number of other staples in our diet, ways we cook burgers all the way to intricate recipes, but everything's easy and simple and highly delicious as well as nutritious and loaded with all the micronutrients your body craves and needs. No matter what diet you're on, outside of being vegan, get this book. It's five bucks at kingsboo.com. In addition to that, I am now launching my inner circle. What the hell is an inner circle? Well, following in the footsteps of great teachers like Ben Greenfield, Jay Ferruja, and others in the fitness field, I'm launching my personal, private, one-on-one -on -one coaching and mentorship program. What that means is you will master everything from the physical to the mental to the emotional and the spiritual. 
This comes with a decent price tag. So if you can't get in on that, I suggest you get me as one of the four coaches in fit for service, but you can check all that out at kingsboo.com slash inner dash circle. That's kingsboo.com slash inner dash circle. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, it's a brilliant way to bring that forward with yeah. what she's done to understand like maybe this condition is so rare that people might not want to touch it because it doesn't affect enough people. But when you start to connect the dots and see that all these, these things, the concert of what's going on, those exact pairings potentially could fix Alzheimer's, potentially could fix schizophrenia. Yeah. And all the other ways that that unfolds. I think that's that's really intelligent to gather because, you know, fuck, Alzheimer's has a ton of attention. Yeah. It runs in my family on my dad's side. It's one of the reasons I got into a ketogenic diet. Uh, you know, Max Lugavere, same thing. He watched his mom go through it, couldn't help her. And then he writes genius foods and continues on, you know, and I think it's, it's great when we can, we have a personal reason to get involved. And then from there, we can start to connect the dots and see how many people it can help. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, same thing. My, my father's sort of going through dementia and Alzheimer's right now, um, which is very painful to see, of course. And it, if there's, if studying this 8P, you know, deletions and duplications are both leads to a cure for that. I mean, uh, you would think that that would, that, I mean, that's a huge thing. And Alzheimer's of course gets millions and millions of dollars every single year from, you know, private donations and government grants and everything like that. Um, so if we can sort of tack on to that, uh, our little tiny niche of, of a disorder, I mean, you know, ultra rare, then, I mean, you know, of course we're going to do that. And we, if that's the reason why someone wants to study it, because they want to figure out maybe there's a link for Alzheimer's, like, great, let's do that. Like, let's get something going, you know? Yeah, any reason to get buy-in. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. And buy, I think, yeah, buy-in, I think, is the 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 perfect word. Uh, so, you know, we've got a lot of doctors interested at, like, Cornell that are doing that natural history, that, that their very beginning stages. And like I said, a guy at, um, in Houston, um, I think he's at Baylor, Houston. Not sure. But um, we're hoping that, that getting that through the going through that process, getting that paper, getting those things, taking those steps, we'll be able to get these other doctors and other uh, researchers, you know, lab scientists that are interested. And in the, the, the science is there. We think that the, the science is there. It's, it's ready to go. It's just a matter of finding the right people to do it, that want to do it. They want to take that, that journey with us um, and finding money to, to get the, to, to fund these things, you know? Yeah. Um, I, we estimate that it would be uh, 10 million to a cure, uh, which is, and that, you know, would maybe take a few years to find that cure, but having that money, we think that's the the estimate that it, that it would take. And I don't, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's a pretty good deal, you know, for the potential of what it could actually, the lives it could change, not only for our kids, but for other patients of other disorders as well. Yeah. So... We're we're working on it. Yeah, we're getting there. at least uh, at least a good a good starting point and a plan, a way to move forward for sure. Um, you mentioned stem cells. What are some of the other potential therapies that could go alongside this? Um, you know, it's it's hard to say because the you know I have a I have a list of all of my sons deletions and duplications. I mean, it's, you know, they're just random letters separated by commas. And I've gone online and, you know, looked at the the human genome database and tried to figure out some of them, there's no known anything about them. Um, a lot of them have to do with uh, brain development, obviously. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, I, I think stem cells, I haven't done as much research on stem cells, but it could, if they can uh, put insert, if they get, if they could get the body to express uh, different genes through stem cells, I think that's how it works. Might sound like an idiot right now, but <laughs> um, 
then that could be a potential. Like there's, uh, it would not be a permanent change. You'd have to continually get therapy for that over the lifetime of the, you know, get injections every week or month or whatever, however long the stem cells last. Um, but, you know, you're inserting a the right gene and getting the body to express that rather than its own genome. Mm-hmm. Uh, which would, you know, hey, if that works, let's do it. No big deal. That seems like it would actually be less uh, less risk, you know, because then you just let it run its course and you just don't do it again. Yeah, but, yeah, less potential side effects there. If something did show up abnormally, you yeah. wouldn't have to necessarily top back off. But, um, you know, we, we don't even have to do, as far as potential therapies go, you know, just doing everything that we can, you know, nutritional therapy um, and other using current technology that's, you know, developed for other things like NuFit, you know, using that for him to see if that helps. Uh, we, if you heard of PRTMS, uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a doctor in town that does that, uh, Dr. Parmaswara. Uh, we've worked with him going through a round of that to see if that might help. It's, you know, a magnet on the brain to change, to uh, level out the brain waves across the brain so everything is operating on the same frequency. Uh, we saw some uh, benefit from that. that was just a little bit more attention, a little bit more willingness to engage and learn from him, from our son, not from Dr. Parmesan. <laughs> but... Uh, it's so, you know, we're, we're open for a lot of different stuff. Um, I think, you know, per your suggestion, when we first met, I started giving him lion's mane mushrooms a lot more, uh, increased that, that what's it called? The nerve growth stimulation, nerve ending, something like that with the brain. Yeah. I think it's like nerve, nerve, neurotropic growth factor, something, something like, like that. that. NGF yeah. and BDNF. Yeah. Just giving him those. Those little, maybe those little boosts, you know? And I mean, I talked to uh, Brad Burge of MAPS, mm-hmm. and he's not, he didn't promote this by any stretch, but, you know, as I'm talking to him about all this, the stuff that MAPS is doing for, with psychic, with uh, psychedelics, the right word? Yeah, psychedelic science. That's it. Yeah, Multidisciplinary sci- Association for Psychedelic Studies. Yeah. Uh, you know, I really wish that. Uh, psilocybin mushrooms were more understood in exactly how they work because, you know, if they help grow new, it seems like they might help grow new uh, connections in your brain, new, more neurons, more more connections and everything like that. I mean, that would be amazing. If, yeah, the ability to increase cross-connectivity, increase neuroplasticity. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, At least it, on the preliminary uh, work, I think the Beckley Foundation is doing in the UK, there seems to be yeah, um, a bit of that happening, and, and it's very low, very low tex- toxicity, extremely low, extremely low, and right. that's that's kind of the, that's something to point out for people right now that are saying you would give your kids psilocybin mushrooms, and you know the fucking hair on the back of your neck stands up. Yeah, uh, the truth is, it is by far one of the safest compounds on the planet. Yeah, if you compared it to any pharmaceutical, there's no comparison on safety. Yeah, and I just, I mean, I want to say that that's not Project AP's stance. Yeah. I mean, that they don't, they're not, they're not looking at that necess- no, no doubt. on a personal yeah. level. That's what I'm looking at. Yeah, no doubt. But as, you're in a position where everything has to be looked at. Everything has to be given a fair shot. Everything that could potentially help, you have to honestly look at and say, can this work? Can this be something that alleviates some symptoms, helps some growth, helps some uh, patchwork take place that is, you know, relatively permanent. That's not, you know, a, a pharmaceutical pill you have to be on the rest of your life, but something that can actually change the state of the brain for the better yeah. long-term. And uh, I think those are very valid points and very valid questions. You know, when you think of the potentials of, of psychedelics and where the science is going as they've looked at the brain over time and even more so now with the renaissance taking place scientifically you know we have um roland griffiths at uh, johns hopkins who's been on the forefront of studying that in a variety of ways for terminally ill cancer patients and uh mystical experiences can we can we create a scientific study that would show mystical experience and obviously that's different than what you're looking at but yeah 
um, it's there and they want more. So they just funded uh, Tim Ferriss, my buddy Craig Nuremberg. I think I mentioned that to you. They just funded a $17 million wing at Johns Hopkins for the studying of psychedelics. And mushrooms are at the forefront of that. And just since they got that to go through, a number of other major universities, I believe University of Florida Gators and Ohio State Buckeyes are also wanting in because nobody wants to be last yeah. to, to what could potentially be one of the greatest uh, significant changes in modern medicine through something we've had long before humans existed. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think uh, I've heard, I guess, the, like the stoned ape theory about mm -hmm. like how we, like, you know, uh, way back in our evolutionary history, apes walking around, they find these mushrooms, they eat them and, you know, they, they're psilocybin mushrooms and that helps create like the, 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 increase our brain capacity, changes, changing our brains. And that's, you know, maybe how part of the story about how we got into being humans from apes. Yeah. And how uh, we started the, the, the foundation of language was a big component of that. Yeah. You know, our ability to communicate through story, uh, instead of just pointing and drawing, you know, with sticks and, and dirt, but actually throwing shit at it. Yeah. Creating, <laughs> creating yeah. language. Uh, I don't know, you know, like the, for sure, when you talk about that, you know, you have every argument, you know, it's no, it was fire and no, it was meat. No, it was our ability to create tools and all this shit. And it's like, sure. But if you really think of something that's has potential of that ability, and it's certainly this, you know, we can go back and forth on this at this stage of our understanding of it. But if on a hundred years from now, we fully understand the potential of these yeah. plant medicines, and we say, we know for a fact, this does increase a lot of the brain's abilities in a variety of ways and does so to the hardware as well as the software. It's, it's, uh, I think that would have quite a bit more, uh, steam behind it, you know, yeah. in that theory of our evolution for, for sure. sure. Yeah. And I, I mean, I have no idea how widely accepted or rejected that theory is, but it, I mean, it's a fun theory to think about and it, you know, uh, on its face, it seems like it's possible. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when I think of that, the the psilocybin mushrooms and, you know, they're, they're, you know, if that theory is part of the story, then, you know, having, you know, microdosing someone with this uh, disorder, I mean, they don't, the kids don't speak, you know, and I don't know that they, I think some of, it depends on if you, if they have a deletion, a duplication or both, you know, their outcomes are very different. Uh, my son has a deletion and a duplication. Him speaking may not be in the cards. Uh, you know, sometimes we think he's saying hi, but he's probably just groaning. Um, you know, if that helped wire his brain in such a way that he can say, Dad, I mean, why wouldn't I do that? Yeah. It'd be crazy. Um. But yeah, it, you know, I, I'm not trying to get them high or anything like that. But you know, maybe maybe it's just a small dose on a regular basis that would get them there. I don't know. But you know, the the <clears throat> going back to Project AP, where you know they're they're focusing on more, um, you know, like, like gene therapy technologies and stuff like that. emerging technologies. I think is a good way to to look at it. Um, you know, even stem cells are not totally understood. So yeah, and that's I mean, from a legal standpoint. Um, and you know, really when you look into potentials, I think that probably is the best route and the best fit. Yeah. Um, everyone, you know, there, people have an issue with me doing drugs in the safety of my own home. Yeah. You know, with, with me, you know, doing some, choosing to do something or even live a certain way, right. People have an issue still to this day with a man having sex with another man in the comfort of their own home yeah. that doesn't affect anyone else yeah. but them, right? And so if you if you put it through that lens, people have a huge issue with kids taking drugs, quote unquote. Yeah. And there was a great episode on uh, Weedy Kit of, uh, I think it was called Stone Kids. It's one of the first four episodes available on Viceland. And What's it um, weed a kit. So it's all about cannabis. Okay. And okay. It looks through like the lens. Syndicate, but weed a kit. Yeah. And it okay. looks through the lens of how cannabis affects people uh, through all different walks of life, through legality. I mean, they did an episode on um, veterans with PTSD. But this Stoned Kids episode, I think, was 
filmed largely in Oregon, and it was on kids with cancer. And the parents were giving them not microdoses, but probably some of the gnarliest macrodoses of Rick Simpson oil, which is a very, very highly concentrated uh, THC. And it has, of course, uh, many of the other constituents in it, cannabinoids and terpenes as well. It's an organic product. Um, but the kids are living and they're happy and it allows them to eat and it allows them to sleep and it allows them to enjoy life. And it's such a beautiful episode because you see the kids and you see the families and those families are worried. Like, is somebody going to take my child away from me? Yeah. Is this going to stop? Uh, currently, at least when the episode was filmed, I think I watched it a couple of years ago. Um, they were able to do this and, you know, I don't know where that's gone. I don't know if they've done a follow-up episode or not, but at least at the time it was filmed, you could see that those kids have a quality of life that they did not have prior to cannabis use. Yeah. And that should nullify the fucking argument immediately. Yeah. Just to see that impact. Yeah. And it really is quality of life that we're, we're aiming for, you know, it, it, whether it's CRISPR or stem cells or whatever the therapy, you know, increasing quality of life is our whole goal. You know, these, my wife and I think of it as, you know, Chow is just going to be our roommate for life. And I mean, we love him, so it's going to be a great roommate. But, you know, I'm going to be probably feeding this kid without intervention, uh, hand-feeding this kid for the rest of my life. Um, and, you know, one of the, the hardest things that I think about is, uh, you know, we all want to outlive our kids, obviously, but in this situation, you know, what's going to happen to him? All of a sudden, God, <laughs> um, <clears throat> all of a sudden, my, you know, his, his dad is dead and the person that's been feeding him and holding him and carrying him through his life is he, what is going to happen? What is he going to think? <sighs> He's without intervention. That's going to be a very confusing time for him. And I just, I mean, I hope that something is there to where he at least better understands the situation and can do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. I've never talked about that before. Jesus. Whew. That's a big one. Fuck. Yeah, brother. That's a big one. I've thought about it a lot, but I've never talked about that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's 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 clearly a, a big fear that, he, you know, one day I'll die and he'll be alone. Fuck. He's not going to be alone, though. He's got a big brother and a little sister. Yeah. I mean, if it were up to me, we'd have just tons of kids. But, you know, my wife's the one that she's, <laughs> I don't think she'll ever go through another pregnancy. She just, it's, 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 I, I, that's a tough situation for any woman, but she, she's happy with three. And, you know, one of the reasons why we, we, I mean, I've always wanted a big family, but, one of the pluses that were pluses for having more is that we're you know increasing our son's circle of care, yeah, uh, for the rest of his life. Um, but you know, I, I don't want to, you know, I think about that too, like the burden that of putting that on his siblings. Um, hopefully, it's a burden that they want to that they are eager to to take on, but you know, 
that's a, they didn't ask for that, you know? Yeah. And so if we can do something to, to prevent that, uh, that's, that's the, that's the goal, you know, finding something to, to, to a permanent, a permanent therapy that yeah. gives him a quality of life, that gives him some independence, that lets him communicate, um, lets him eat regularly, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Fuck. Man, brother. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing and opening up. Yeah, man. Thank yeah. you for thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Um, like I said, people, if they can go to uh, Project Eight P, the number eight dot org, uh, they can learn about more about the syndrome and learn about what's uh, the the latest on the research. Um, you know, obviously, if they're if they're in a place where they can donate, uh, there's a donate donate button. You know, we can certainly use all the help we can get. If you're if you are a scientist or know a scientist that might be interested in these, uh, this condition, um, you know, or you know, reach out, send an email, um, and let us know for sure. I'll link to everything in the show notes. Uh, you mentioned a Facebook group or two. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a public Facebook group um, for for this. I, I would have to look it up, but if you just look up eight P, the number eight, small letter P, deletion duplication uh you'll find it and i'm sure it's on the the website as well project8p.org thank you so much for coming on brother thanks kyle i appreciate it yeah thank you guys for listening to today's show with brad swale check out the show notes if you can if you have a dollar if you got five dollars if you got ten dollars perhaps more importantly than your money if you have a way to connect us to scientists who can help people of interest who might be able to take on some of the more rigorous science that stands ahead in their mission. Uh, and of course, be sure to follow their nonprofit organization to see exactly what's going on behind the scenes and help out where you can. Thank you guys for listening today. It means so much, and I'll see you in a few days.